Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host, Patrick McLaney, FAIA, former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise, from 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm. We know that running a small firm is tough and ending the year with a profit may be even tougher. That's why we created Profit for Small Firm Architects. It's a three-module digital course and it's available to you for free right now by visiting entrearchitect.com slash free course. Entree Architect Podcast, episode 164. Welcome back to the Entree Architect Podcast. My name is Mark Arlapage, and this is the podcast dedicated to a successful life as a small firm architect. Whether you have plans to someday start your own firm whether you're in the process of launching a startup or you might be an experienced small firm architect just trying to make a difference, this podcast is for you. My goal is to inspire you to build a better business so that you may pursue your purpose with passion and live the life of your dreams. Retired from the profession and finding himself eager to find a way to share his knowledge and give back to the profession, Today's guest decided to partner with a developer to create an app to help small firm architects manage their time and money. And after a long journey with many stops and starts, he found his way and is launching the product he wished he had when he was the owner of his own small firm. This week at Entree Architect Podcast, Finding My Corbu with Rick Waldnazek. This episode of Entree Architect Podcast is supported by our platform sponsors, FreshBooks and Carb, BQE Software, and RCAT. FreshBooks, get organized, save time invoicing, and get paid faster. Learn more at entrearchitect.com slash FreshBooks. And NCARB, 
helping architects reach their career goals. Learn more at entrearchitect.com slash NCARB and BQE Software, the makers of ArchiOffice, office and project management software designed specifically for architects. Learn more at entrearchitect.com slash BQE and RCAT, the leading online resource for free building product information. Learn more at entrearchitect.com slash RCAT. Rick Wolnizek, welcome to Entre Architect Podcast. Glad to be here. Well, thanks for joining me here today. Uh, Rick is an architect based in northern Kentucky, just, just outside of Cincinnati, Ohio, essentially a, a suburb of Cincinnati. Uh, Rick is the creator of Architect Wiki, uh, which is a blog built for small firms. And he, he's right on the site there. It says it's a source of ideas, information, links, procedures, checklists, standards, and details all designed to help young architects and small firms do their work effectively and profitably. So that's right up my my alley there. And uh, and Rick is also the founder of My Corbu, which is really interesting, and that's something that I want to get into a little bit. My Corbu is a bookkeeping software built specifically for us architects. So uh, that's the main reason I wanted to have Rick come join us here today. Uh, I want to hear his story, where he's come from. Uh, and then I want to talk about my Corbu. So, Rick, let's let's start with your story. Let's start with your origin story. Go way back to where you discovered architecture. What inspired you to become an architect? Uh, and then give us that story, that journey from that point to where you are today. Glad to. Uh, going way back, somehow in high school, I knew I wanted to be an architect. I couldn't possibly have known what that was really all about, but the idea of creating things um, as a kid, you know, is mostly tunnels and camps, you know, in the woods and all. But um, that had always appealed to me, and I just latched on to the idea of becoming an architect. Probably in my sophomore or junior year in high school, I took a drafting course during the summer, uh, which was offered, and nothing there turned me off. So... Um, I just stuck with that idea, contrary to the guidance counselor who thought I would be best suited to be a bus driver. Among <laughs> so, um, from there, um, I was going to go to University of Cincinnati. He had no desire to go away to school. I guess I was a bit of a homebody. And um, I'm the first year of the baby boomers. And so that plan got uh, submarined real easy because there were like three times as many people sign up for the slots that they had. And I wasn't going to, I'm not a citizen of Cincinnati paying the taxes and uh, wasn't going to live in the dorms. So that put me in the, you know, also ran group. And uh, my dad, for some reason, thought it'd be a slick idea for me to go to Notre Dame. And that, that ended up turning out just fine. I mean, I really enjoyed that experience although I wasn't ready for, I mean, I didn't really want to do it, but in hindsight, it, it turned out to be one of the highlights of my career. So I got out of school, went to work for uh, a little firm that specialized in schools, did that for seven years. That was fantastic experience because there was only five people. And other than the back office type of stuff, everything having to do with with design, you know, you got to do, you had to do. 
probably three or four years in, I was even doing specifications, uh, possibly because his eyesight was failing and he was too stubborn to get glasses. But <laughs> in any event, uh, I was doing it all. I think in 1975, I did my first job. Every lick of it was a little maintenance building for the local university, NKU, that ended up in the the, the big dance just recently. And um, basketball, that is. And um, did the specs, even ended up being the full-time site rep on that for six or eight months. So got an amazing grounding in what it, it took to do those kinds of jobs. Uh, from there, I ended up joining a, a mentor of mine at that firm who had departed and started his own little firm. The two of us uh, struggled for a couple of years. We were probably just getting our feet under us, but the frustration of really not doing anything was just eating me up. It was, it was a lot of fighting him. Uh, to, to try things, you know, of a marketing nature and that type of thing. Uh, the one neat thing that happened with that is that we had a really tiny little office, you know, it was probably 200, 250 square feet, no water, no toilets. We had to go down two floors to, to get to that. And so we didn't have a coffee machine. We were both coffee drinkers. And I made a deal with him that, I would do the books, take care of all of that, which he loathed. If he would go across the street to our equivalent of 7-Eleven to get coffee. And he didn't <laughs> mind that at all. But I hated going across the street and disrupting what I was doing, putting your coat on and all that stuff and dealing with the idiots at the 7-Eleven. So a deal was formed. I had to go get a, a monograph on how to do bookkeeping and particularly for architects and got the books and all set up. Uh, like I said, after a couple of years, I was really frustrated with that and decided to go out on my own back in Northern Kentucky. I didn't mention that, but we were in Cincinnati and it was as though I had died. Uh, nobody knew where Cincinnati was that I wanted to do business with. And I really hadn't had much of a, uh, of a stature as an architect, you know, by the time I'd left, I was just one of the underlings in this other firm. Um, I had made some headway, but it, it really wasn't paying off. So I go back and, and start my firm, struggle for a little while. And suddenly a friend of my brother's, who's a doctor needed an office building. Bingo. I had my first job and almost exactly on the heels of that, someone that I had been courting, um, a uh, Japanese machine tool builder, uh, also through my brother again, who, who's an attorney, they were, they were the attorneys for this firm. They put a good word in for me. I had this, this industrial job. So, uh, the, the good news was, as I had work, the bad news was, is that I didn't struggle very hard to get that work. And so it was years before I had to, to kind of back up and figure out how to get work. And that basically plagued me. My, my entire firm is that we had always put more emphasis on doing the, the work and doing the back office things really well, as opposed to doing some of the, uh, the business development things that, that most guys need to deal with all their career. Uh, and since I've retired, I've 
learned more about that than I ever knew while I was practicing. So um, kind of skip over my firm. I, I started my firm in 1980. Uh, we were anywhere from two to 12 people, but probably averaged five during that 30 some years. So that the firm that you have, your firm, was that yeah. was that you, when you went to work with your mentor when they left or is this a separate another firm? Separate firm. Okay, uh, so, so you worked with him for a little while and then you left and those projects that you got uh, were, were your projects and that sort of gave you the, 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 the work to start your own practice. Exactly. Got it. Okay. Exactly. Um, so over the years, the firm had several different names. I've never been very, uh, unlike a lot of, you know, Stark attacks, I don't have the big ego. And so, uh, my, one of my partners who only had 5% of the firm was given the, the main billing. Uh, another, the, my, my mentor actually came and rejoined me again after about, seven, eight years, something like that. We were back together. And um, um, anyway, the firm had a lot of different names, but uh, it started out as Walnutsack Architects and ended up as Walnutsack Architects, but had uh, some some different partners during the way. I probably should, should spend some time on my blog about those experiences because I learned a lot there. That Yeah, that would be interesting. It'd be interesting, yeah, to, to readers, I'm sure. But uh, 2012 did us in. Uh, Cincinnati's very conservative. You know, the turmoil that everybody experienced in 2008, 2009, and on into maybe 2010 finally hit Cincinnati. And by 2012, really the beginning of that year, we were just flat dead in the water. I let go of my third last person and um, a person had been with me for 30 years, registered architect, had uh, stepped up to do bookkeeping when our bookkeeper left, uh, was still with me. She was part time. Um, she had a couple of daughters to raise, so this was working out reasonably well for her. But uh, during that year, I mean, we had a total uh, income revenues of like $5,000. And after the first couple of months, I was writing checks to keep us alive. Yeah. And after a few more months, I was looking for a way to get the heck out of this situation. I had another, uh, maybe, or, or at least didn't wrap up until early the following year. Went hat in hand to my landlord and offered to, uh, asked to get out early and offered to kind of like just give him my office stuff as part of payment to, to, to make that happen. God bless them, they did it. Um, they, they found this reasonable because it was the, uh, I was by then I was in Newport, Kentucky, and uh, they were the um, housing authority. So they were building little buildings. We had done one little project with them and could have parlayed that into more, but it wasn't really our cup of tea. And um, it was governmental, and there were just a lot of things that wasn't really our strong suit. But, but it, it might have gone somewhere. Anyway, 
they knew all about design and, and you could use the office furniture, a couple of drafting tables we still had. I think we may have given them some of the uh, CAD equipment and all of that. And anyway, we got out of that. Um, the idea was to go home and work from the house. And it took me about eight months to realize that I had actually retired. <laughs> and, and, you know, Alice was who was still with me. I mean, she's just on an hourly basis. If we had something to do, I'm paying her by the hour to do that. And um, so uh, at the end of eight months, I, I realized that I was retired and it really wasn't the bad thing I had always thought it would be because I had no plans to ever retire. I didn't have any hobbies, didn't have anything. The only thing I did have was playing around with the internet, computers, websites. I built, rebuilt our own website, had started building another one. And one of the thoughts in my head as things were kind of falling apart was that maybe, although the architectural world wasn't uh, viable, real viable yet, that maybe I could make a living selling things that I had learned over the years to architects. So I had started building this uh, site that soon became Architect Wiki. I mean, it literally launched uh, the week or so after I closed the office and moved home. Yeah, it's been around a long time. It's because... Yeah, I'm on my midpoint of my fourth year. Yeah. So, uh, uh, you know, I didn't really have any problem because I had plenty of time on my hands to start writing the blog. You know, turned out, you know, probably well over. I mean, I was writing uh, an episode or, you know, a pod or a post every two or three days for the first year. And um, dig digressed to maybe republish some other things, but, you know, realized that that really wasn't uh, probably what I would want to see. So, I mean, I'm just, you know, right in the daylights of my uh, experience. What, in, what inspired you to do that? Why, what inspired you to, to other than sort of, you know, the acknowledgement that you retired, deciding that you're going to do something else, what sort of, why, why the blog was your first step toward that? You know, I don't even know if I know the answer to that. I think that it, it was a spinoff of my idea to, to possibly develop something that would be valuable to architects and that I might be able to make some money doing that. Mm -hmm. um, that the, I, I initially, I, I've gotten rid of them, but initially I had uh, Google AdSense embedded into my site. Um, you know, after two or three years, I had made a whopping $300 from, <laughs> from that. So that really wasn't worth the aggravation of seeing it pop up on my site and, and the kind of ads that you you really don't have any control over. So, you know, I just always uh, disliked that. And, um, and, and after a couple of years, I had decided that I would go back to my uh, tools that I had developed over my career and put them into a format that might be usable by other architects and then actually put a price tag on some of those. So I have a couple of things on the website that you can get a, um, uh, a how-to uh, book on using Trello as a project management system is one. Um, 
The other was a feed uh, calculation tool that I had used for, I mean, just, I mean, I'd started using that with uh, a, a Radio Shack uh, computer back in the mid 80s because I had a contractor friend of mine who was driving me nuts quoting these jobs he was chasing after. I wasn't probably the only architect he was asking for, but I mean, I was getting requests of, two, you know, maybe two a week from him to put a fee together. And I had to, to you know, stop spending a day every time he, the phone rang and, and Billy had a new uh, hot lead. So uh, that that was the, the uh, genesis of it. But over the years, I had really developed that into something that would let me put together a fee in just an hour or so mm-hmm. and uh, start working on the other stuff, the, you know, how I was going to package that up and present it. And, and so, those are those those items, the, the Trello and the and the calculator that's available at Architect Wiki. That's right. I yeah. call the, the fee calculation fee calcs uh, with a Q. And uh, Trello PM is the name of the other product. Okay, we'll put links to that on the show notes. Uh, your episode 164. So uh, entrearchitect.com slash episode 164. We'll get links to all, to all of that stuff so uh, people can, can go find that. Let's take a quick break here to say thank you to our platform sponsors here at Entre Architect, FreshBooks, NCARB, BQE Software, and RCAT. 192 hours. You wish you had that much free time? That works out to about two business days every month. And when you're a small firm architect using FreshBooks cloud accounting software, that's the amount of administration time that you could save in 2017. That's time that you can spend doing the things you love, like being an architect. FreshBooks makes it simple to send invoices, post your expenses automatically, track your time for your whole team by project, and get organized with reports, communication, and notifications. Sign up for a free 30-day unrestricted trial and get ready for the simplest way to be more productive, organized, and most importantly, get paid faster. Visit entrearchitect.com freshbooks to access FreshBooks for free. And be sure to enter Entree Architect in the How Did You Hear About Us section. Do you know someone in your firm who's always dreamed of getting licensed, but was unable to complete the experience requirements? Well, maybe that person's you. Now you can get back on track with NCARB's new AXP portfolio. With this option, seasoned professionals can complete the Architectural Experience Program, the AXP, formerly known as the IDP, by submitting an online portfolio. Along with meeting your state's education and examination requirements, the portfolio will help you and your employees get one step closer to becoming a licensed architect. Learn more about NCARB's AXP portfolio at entrearchitect.com slash NCARB. One of the most often requested resources here at Entre Architect is project management software. How do we keep our projects and our people organized while we grow as entrepreneur architects. BQE Software, an AIA Advantage partner, and the makers of ArchiOffice will show us how. ArchiOffice is the only office and project management software designed specifically for architects. It will help us manage people and projects and allow us to focus on designing great architecture. 
Whether you're working remotely or on site, ArchiOffice allows you to monitor the status of your projects and tasks and send out invoices in an accurate and timely manner. Entree Architect podcast listeners can get a fully functional 15-day trial of ArchiOffice today at entrearchitect.com bqe. Many of you have probably already heard of ArcCat and use their resources on a regular basis. But for those of you who have not yet checked them out, RCAT's a great tool for small firm architects. From small firms to government agencies, everyone can benefit from what they've created. RCAT has huge libraries of free content, CAD, BIM, specifications, and tons more. RCAT has done all the work for you. You need a spec, click on over and download the CSI three-part specification in multiple file formats. How about a CAD detail or BIM objects? all free at the click of a mouse. RCAT has tons of building product content ready for you to use. It's all completely free and you don't have to register to download the content. Visit them at entrearchitect.com slash RCAT. Hey, one last thing. The AIA Conference on Architecture is just around the corner. While you're there, go say hi and let them know that Entre Architect sent you. Just look for the big, giant, glowing red A and you'll find RCAT. So, FreshBooks, NCARB, BQE Software, and RCAT. Please visit our platform sponsors today and thank them for supporting you, the Entree Architect community. What happened is about a, a year, actually about two, almost two years after I had retired, I was now out of the kind of software we use when, when I was in business, which, by the way, was uh, Deltex Advantage, mm-hmm. which is a really nice, big, powerful, architect-oriented piece of software. Uh, I don't have anything bad to say about that software. Like I said, I used it for probably over 20 years, um, but I'm not a big fan of using that kind of software any longer. But uh, we'll, we'll get around to that, I think. So I was using a little uh, timekeeping piece of software that we had used during the last year or so while we were still in business called B2B. It no longer exists. But a guy in Cincinnati had developed that. He had a background in accounting, had never practiced as an accountant because he had found a way to his, his interest in computers caused him to find bigger solutions for firms than just bookkeeping and doing taxes and all. So he had developed this software. <clears throat> the software um, worked reasonably well for architects, but I was constantly bugging them for workarounds and how can I get it to do this right. and whatnot. And he was based in Cincinnati, which he had nothing to do with me using this software, but I was vaguely aware of it. And so we're, we're emailing back and forth. He's pretty much the help uh, or support uh, part of this thing. And uh, one day he, because of the emails he's seeing my phone number, he literally called me up and asked me to have uh, coffee with him and talk about how he might, you know, make his software more appropriate than it is for architects. So I spend a couple hours you know, preparing to uh, tell him just how he could do that. We get to the coffee shop, get our coffee, 
Uh, we spend maybe five minutes on that topic. And then he says, well, that's all well and good. But the real reason I, I invited you today is that I want to change the software to be something that's architect specific. And I want you to help me do it. I want you to find the architects and I want you to tell me and my programmer how we can do that. What's missing, how, what, what the architects are going to need. And I mean, you, I, you could have knocked me over with a feather. I had no idea that that was going to be part of the agenda. I told him I was going to need some time because by then I had actually decided I liked being retired <laughs> and doing what I was doing. You know, no clients to aggravate you, no employees to aggravate you, no contractors to aggravate you. I mean, life was sweet. I spent about two or three days and decided, you know, I, I, I'm more likely to regret not doing this than doing it. So I said, sure, count me in. Over the next year, I began interviewing architects, first handy ones here in the greater Cincinnati area. Then I started putting a questionnaire together to go a little farther afield. And um, over that year, I had interviewed by phone mostly about 75 people and had gotten nearly 1,500 firms to take my survey. And this is working a pirated or whatever you want to call it. It was a spam mailing list for architects. You know, I was spamming guys, but, you know, I wasn't going to be beating them over the head. I was just asking them, would you take this, this survey? If you didn't do it, that was, I mean, I'm moving on to the next group of 20 to. to yeah, I remember when you were doing that. I, I took that survey and, and you interviewed me early on. Exactly. I remember that. It was a couple of years ago, a few years ago. Yeah, exactly. So um, I'm doing that. After about five months, six months of that, uh, he made me write the business case for why we should go ahead because I was telling him, you know, I think this will work. So I, I put as much as, you know, I really didn't have a lot of experience with doing that, but I put that together. Over the year, over the year I worked with this guy. I found out that, that he basically wanted somebody else to do all the legwork. And, and one of his little tactics was to put up a barrier the first time something came up and see how hard you pushed back on that. So the fact that I was pushing ahead told me I told him I was actually engaged in all this. He didn't have to worry about that. So we started working on the actual development of the software. The timekeeping part of it was pretty uh, good. Um, what he had learned from me was that there wasn't a great solution for architects to do invoicing and, and also why that was and what architects were looking for. And he decided that was going to be the main feature of, of our software. We were going to have the best invoicing tool for architects available on the planet. And that, that would have easily been able to be done. Um, but I'm telling him that what we need to do is the timekeeping piece and get that going so that we become known and then roll this out as another module that you can add on. He didn't like the sound of that. He thought that was going to complicate the, the software. And so I didn't know what, what I, we were, I didn't know anything about that end of it. So I took his word for it. Three or four months later, we don't have anything worth talking about 
on the invoicing thing. It is unbelievably difficult to do what we had envisioned to do. And unfortunately, our programmer was the least capable to understand and deal with the aesthetic issues of how to make these invoices look like architects are going to want them to do. So where, so where did the where did the um, programmer come from? It was somebody that he, he somebody was working that, with? That he had worked with to develop the software initially mm -hmm. and that he used to maintain it and to do other kind of side projects that he was involved in. Uh, he was actually more of a venture capitalist at this point. He had developed this, this company with, you know, 30, 40 people doing fancy, you know, business software for people. He ended up selling that. I'm sure that kind of funded his his ability to dabble in whatever struck his his interest. Um, we're getting, nevertheless, fairly close to having something. It, it was like the horizon. The closer you got to it, it kept moving off. Right. It was all two or three months away, no matter what uh, month you were in. And um, and I was pushing to, to redo our website. We had a website called Corbu at the time, corbu.co, which I didn't particularly like. But uh, that was where we could get the, the, the URL for our, our, our domain name for what we wanted to put out there. So I use Weebly. I, I, by that time, it probably developed three or four websites using Weebly. I know my way around Weebly. It's, it is dead simple for anybody that's ever used Microsoft Word to do anything more than a letter. You can use Weebly. Uh, so I, I, he, he didn't like the sound of this at all. So I went ahead between our, the, the next meeting and redid the website on my Weebly account. And was able to show show up the next week with, there it is. Here's here's the the URL to get to it. I've got more than we've got now. It looks as good because I've just basically uh, cloned it, you know, using all of our graphics and everything over. And so he could, he saw you know firsthand that you know this isn't going to be an embarrassment if I do it. And my motivation was is I thought we were going to be on board with this any time now. And that the, the way his website worked, he had spent, you know, probably close to 10 grand having this thing designed using Word, uh, uh, WordPress, which should have been dead simple to use. Yep. But this guy had customized it to the point where I couldn't even make something bold text in my blog without, you know, some special week-long back and forth to the programmer, to, to the, a different programmer, to figure it out. So I says, you know, we, we can't be doing that. If we say on page one, the blah, 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 this is the price, and on page two where you're signing up, it's a different one. I've got to be able to fix that, you know, like in five minutes. You know, we can't be having that kind of stuff out there where it's a, a week-long deal to get the programmer to find time to, to monkey with that. So he, he finally said, okay, but his saying okay to that was the straw that broke the camel's back because I had a, by this time, a year into this process, I had, you know, the, uh, 1500 firms that were prospects at least, not necessarily high prospects, but at least had been open enough to take the survey. And 
spending all of this time directing them on to how to make this thing work. And, and that wasn't just sitting at a meeting and saying, I like it or didn't like it. This guy's the, the programmers putting stuff out there. And then out of our kind of sandbox test site, you know, I'm taking screenshots of it, marking it up and, you know, coming back with all this, this feedback for them, which was taking me, you know, every time he put something up there, I had another eight hours and, you know, de- playing with it, first of all, and then critiquing it and showing what needed to be different. <clears throat> okay, so I do the website, and the thing that he's most interested in is how he's going to become the owner of it. Huh. I did it. It's on my account. He wants to know how I can get it onto his account. Should he get an account? And I says, well, I, I don't actually know, you know. We could maybe ask Weebly. It's got to be possible, I suppose. I don't know what it would cost or how easily or how you would do it, but I could do it. So are, are you, are you at this point, are you partners with this man? No. Like, so you're, you're well, just, you're just collaborating with him. Well, we do have a, an agreement of how I would get paid when people sign up to use our software. Yeah. Okay. However, I'm thinking – and, and present it to him, what happens if Dell Tech gets wind of us having signed up four or 500 firms in the first year or two, and they come around and they offer you a few million bucks for, for, the, our, for Corbu. Right. Said you would be an idiot not to take that and spin it into some more money some other way, invest in something else. And where does that leave me? I've got a year into this. I've sold 500 or 400 copies of the deal, but that's that isn't going to come close to paying me for my year's effort so far. Yeah, you know, so we're back and forth about this, but it never got anywhere. I mean, I did literally the only thing I had in writing was a spreadsheet that that showed how I would get paid. It didn't say I would get paid. It just showed how I would. Right, right. I couldn't get them to put anything in writing. We weren't spending a lot of time on it. Luckily, both of us were, luck- were I guess luckily for him, both of us were, were okay with this thing being uh, loosey-goosey. But uh, knowing that and then knowing that he wanted the rights to my website that I put together and was going to maintain and everything else – and and the way it came about is that he wanted me to go back and next week come back with a written agreement on when he would get what would have to happen before he got the, the title to the website and what would happen to me if I didn't. Well, I stopped at a coffee shop on the way home and did that. And during that process, all that happened is I thought, you know what? This is the tip of the iceberg. This is what the future looks like. Me putting myself into <laughs> a situation where I'm putting a noose around my neck to keep him happy. I mean, life's too short for this. This is not getting my way on a lot of things about the website and them for money purposes, taking things out that, oh, we can always add that in kind of thing, was was making this less fun than it had ever been in the in the year. I mean, it, it was going from just unbelievable 
cool and neat and every other positive word a year at the beginning of the year. And by the end of the year, it was still okay, but we're down to about 20% of it being fun. And then this, this was just it. So I, I called him up the following day and said, Hey, what are you doing today? Can we meet? And uh, he says, I guess I've got something going on, but I could meet you say at 11. So we meet at 11 and I said, you know, I'm walking away. I'm done. And, uh, you know, it turned out that, you know, he was, I'm sure, upset. By then he had to have had $20,000, dollars $40,000 tied up in this thing. Um, and, but he said, you know, the two of us are, are in a situation where we don't have to do things we don't like. And so I would never fault anybody for walking away if they don't like it. And I said, well, I don't, you know, I, I have my, I have some doubts, although I think it could, could work, but it's just too painful and I just don't want to be a part of it anymore. So he said, fine. And that was that over the next few weeks, probably we kind of unraveled the things we had, you know, uh, dismantled the poll daddy account where this, the poll, uh, we were asking for people to still take the survey, uh, several other tools like that, giving him passwords to it and different things, just basically closing it down, turning it over to him. And, uh, but I know that he, he didn't do anything with it. Uh, by six months later, uh, I don't know if he had gotten rid of the URL or the domain name corbu.co, but the, the website wasn't there any longer. And, um, the other, the, like the, the, the builder site, you know, had been dismantled where we were going to look at the product as it was being developed. And during that process, he had also changed his, uh, his, his current B2B software from something that cost you $8 a month. I think it was, which was one of the main appeals to me at the time to, uh, something that he says it's now free, but there's zero support. And by the time uh, a year was up, there was there was not only no support. I mean, it may still be there. I don't know. But I mean, it is, you know, if anything's unraveling with it is, you know, software gets more sophisticated, browsers get more sophisticated. It's not going to be keeping up. So, you know, it's just going to yeah. one of these days just disintegrate. He just abandoned, abandoned it. Yeah. So he, yeah. you know. The reason he was interested in focusing, I'm sure, was that it wasn't doing that great. Um, and, you know, for him to walk away from it, it, it certainly it wasn't worth his effort to, to deal with the, the support. It was either a break even or only making a, a little bit of money. So I spent a month or so with pretty much no regrets, but almost missing the process. When, when was this? How, how long ago did this In uh, April of uh, 15. Okay. Two, so two years ago. Two years ago. Uh, over the, the f next probably year and a half, about every four or five months, having learned all this stuff about how architects do things, all this research, I, it was just nagging at me to do something with it. You know, I, I've, I've shared it on the blog. 
some of the things I learned. Um, the most amazing things is that there's only 21,000 architectural firms in the U.S. That's as of the last census. 21,000. Of those 21,000, 90% of them, actually over 90%, have fewer than 20 people. Over 80% have fewer than 10. And two-thirds have less than five. I mean, that, one of the, that right there said that all of these guys out there that have firms, 90% of them are just like I was. Facing the exact same thing. I mean, I always thought that I was on the low end of, of the, uh, you know, the, the spectrum, never having been able to get to 20, 30, 40 people. No, I'm just like everybody else. Yeah, that's the profession. In fact, had, you know, spent, you know, more time or at least half my time at a little over five instead of a little under five, which two thirds of the guys are. So and the other thing I found out is that 53% of the people that, that I surveyed use QuickBooks or something very much like QuickBooks, sometimes more sophisticated, sometimes less. Virtually zero like that experience. And so this thing we were trying to develop, which was not going to be accounting, it was going to be bookkeeping, much simpler, much less time involved, much easier to, to learn and to, to manage yourself. Uh, was going to be the antidote for all of those people that hate QuickBooks, you know, if we could just figure out how to do it. So I'm coming back to this every couple of months, figuring out, I wonder what language you would write something like this in, thinking I might go learn the, that coding language. That didn't get anywhere. Um, next thought I was, is what if I found a way to fund development this self. I'm not coding it, but I'm going to put a team together like the other guy had done, and we'll get this thing built. Uh, talk to a, a friend, kind of a, a, a more of an acquaintance who, who did this kind of stuff for a living, and found that his best guess this was going to take probably a full year and would cost very likely about $150,000. I immediately added another 100000 to it. And so the number I was working with was a quarter of a million dollars. And the time didn't bother me because I'm retired and I, you know, it's not like limitless and I can't spend, you know, intense time like pull all-nighters and stuff. But, you know, I can, I can be plugging along at this. And so I spent, you know, probably the better part of a month looking at ways like a Kickstarter program or something like that, you know, where I could put together a quarter of a million dollars. Maybe the 1,500 firms that had taken the survey, you know, I could find a subset of those that would invest in this as, as a solution for themselves down the road. That really didn't get anywhere. It all looked really like it was going to be more about that than it was, you know, developing the software and all. And there was going to be a lot of work on that because I was going to have to, kind of like storyboard the whole thing of what you do, then what happens. I mean, the chances of me hooking up with somebody that has developed several bookkeeping pieces of software were slim and none. I was going to have to explain that to somebody all the way through. So the, uh, 
upshot of all that was is that it kept falling apart. The thing that happened differently this most recent time back in uh, September was that I started searching on how to put this thing together. What are the steps? And I'd been seeing things, you know, out there in the Internet about how easy it was to develop apps nowadays, that there were apps that you could use to build apps. So I'm doing a search on that kind of thing. I mean, I don't know what I'm talking about, but I'm looking for that kind of a solution. And stumbled across an article that listed eight ways you could do it. Unfortunately, about seven of them were to build apps for your iPhone or phone. And But one of them was an app uh, builder that worked on any platform and did worked with databases and was $39 a month for the software with a 30-day trial period. And so, boom, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to figure out if this something like this could work. Maybe this isn't it, but something like this. There's These can't be the only people out there that did. In fact, I found two others, but they were a little less friendly, let's say. Uh, the company is NAC, K-N-A-C-K dot com. Uh, they, that's, that's the software I'm using to build my Corbu. And, uh, they advertise themselves as a platform as a service instead of a software as a service. So, uh, I mean, this, this thing, I mean, I'm, I'm more than happy to spend a few months worth of uh, $39 fees to use this software to get to the point of determining whether it's going to work or not, or, or maybe that it could work, but I'm going to need somebody else to do it because I can't handle it. Well, <clears throat> I start the, uh, the uh, trial, and in about a week, I already know I can do this. Um, it's, it's just not that hard. And you, you need to be methodical and, and all everything that an architect is anyway is, is what you needed to know to develop some tool like this. So uh, I'm, I'm, you know, going, I mean, by the end of October, I mean, I found these folks in the middle of September. By the end of October, I'm already to the point where I've got a, a working version, a rudimentary version of this thing working. And I'm spending my spare time, so to speak, on building a website to start writing a blog about this and what I'm doing and trying to see if I can't attract an audience to this thing. I've mentioned it a few times on Architect Wiki, but I, I have to realize that not everybody wants to hear all about my Boo just because they're coming to, to Architect Wiki to see what I've got there. So I, I needed to build a different blog and um, did that. I mean, by before the end of the month, I had articles on, on my on the MyCorboo site. Um, and that's my mycorbu.com, right? Exactly. Yep. Um, so I've built a website. Um, I've got this working version. Uh, sometime in November, I posted a test drive on the site. It's it's live. You can go there still and play around with it. Um, I started working on the all the help articles you're going to need because I'm not going to be on the phone all day long helping people figure out how to use this thing. So there's a lot of help articles that needed to be written. So it was a self-serve kind of deal. 
I'd spent, you know, beaucoup times figuring out how I was going to price it, how that was actually going to work. Could it work with Knack? All of that kind of thing. Um, we got to the point where uh, the biggest blunder that I made was in not realizing that the way I was going about this and worrying about the program and how it worked and what you did when you clicked here and what was going to appear was actually the easy part. And that the other side that took care of signing someone up and getting their account set up was actually the trickier part and how you would do that. And so after I had this thing working and had it posted, I started dealing with that. I was led to believe, I think, but maybe I was just hearing what I wanted to hear, that that was always easy, easy enough to deal with later. Maybe if you were a NAC employee, it has but for <laughs> And so one of the first things I discovered was that their software isn't really set up to do what I want to do. Their software is to, is, is their, their, their focus as they got developed was to, to have users in giant companies like a Procter and Gamble, a department to use this, to track something that was in, of interest to their department easily set it up. They can do it themselves. They don't have to get permission to use the IT department and all that kind of stuff. And that's where they were rocking and rolling. They were, you know, going gangbusters, uh, getting people to sign up and use it that way. People that were going to sign up and make something to sell to somebody else were a very small minority. I'm going to guess less than 5% of their customers. And so, they had never seen the problem that the way their back end was organized, uh, the way I found out there was a problem. And, and the deal was, is you get somebody to sign up, but you, you, can't, you can't get their software to assign an ID to everything they do so that all their records hang together. So you're, you're going in to pick a project name, say, and you're seeing every project name that's ever been entered in the system because I can't get this to happen. Right. Well, I, I figured out how to make it happen, but it was with me adding that project name. So uh, I've got four or five people, maybe six, that are helping me do beta and uh, on this thing. And one of the things was is, is that they would sign up using the NAC software I would get an email. I figured out how to make that happen. I get an email telling me it's happening. I have to run, go jump onto NAC uh, on my builder portion of it and find them and start adding this number so that it would become, I needed to do about five minutes of work. And then after that, it would be self-supporting. It would sustain itself. Everything would work fine after that. But every customer, so to speak, I had to do that. And if you were a customer that had some other people that were going to use it, so th this wasn't just a one-man shop, it was a two, three, four, five-man shop, every time they put somebody's name in the system, I had to do that same same routine. This was clearly not going to be sustainable. I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm retired, but this isn't yeah, how I want to spend my retirement. So uh, I finally just uh, two weeks ago got that solved. I, I hired some guys from Colombia, South America, 
And uh, that worked out amazingly well. Um, for like less than $500, they wrote some JavaScript to make this all happen behind the scenes. We made a copy. They did it on the copy. I could test the copy, see exactly what was going to happen. Everything was working great. Uh, one or two little, you know, things, you know, punctuation, almost kind of things. They fixed that. We're ready to uh, put it on the main thing, which has now happened. So right now, if you knew the the URL to go to the website, you could jump on board, sign yourself up, and away you'd go. And that's where we are. In another week or so, uh, the beta process will be over. Um, I've learned how people are reacting with it through that process. Uh, found a number of other things as I'm kind of being a beta myself that I've fixed. Got one or two more things to, to wrap up. And it, one of the things I did on the website was encourage people to reserve an account. And um, that evolved originally to reserve an account to get a discount to my realization down the road that two things. One, uh, this coming out of the box initially as a paid app was going to create friction for people signing up. Right. The, the main, my main competition is whatever you're doing to do timekeeping is, you know, you understand it. It may be painful. It may be whatever you understand it. You're not going to want to, you know, jump on board to something else that may or may not work based on my say so. So, you know, and, and one of the other things I found is that architects are pretty conservative. You might think that they're not, but they are quite conservative. And most of them are not real tech-savvy kind of guys either. Their, their tech-savvy kind of starts and ends with CAD and those kinds of issues, but that really soaks up whatever tech-savviness they've got available to them. That and some of the other, you know, Microsoft Word and, and Excel and all that. But in terms of developing other kinds of software, not so much. Um, so this needs to be really simple. So I've, I've got 29 people that have reserved an account, but that has uh, revolved or, or evolved into it being just being the first people because it's going to be launched as a free app. Mm -hmm. and, and the idea there is to reduce the friction to zero, if I can, for people signing up. And down the road, those people may find that this is more than what they need, more than adequate for their, their needs. And boom, they're, they've got a free version of this forever. I've got uh, a short list, maybe half dozen features that I was going to put in, but have held back because they're going to be problematic to, to really get up and running easily. And, uh, those will end up being part of a paid version at some point, probably less per month subscription than what I was planning to do. But um, the, the goal here is to get people on board free, show them what else is available. If they're in love with it, would like, would like those other things, you know, hopefully at some point they'd be comfortable with paying more money. Yeah, one of the, what, great, the great things about having it free is that you can get a bunch of people to sign on um, and and then be able to get a lot of feedback from those members on on what they like, what they don't like, and and let it 
um, develop with the community, that the community can help you build it uh, exactly. and give you the feedback that you need to make it into a really powerful tool, exactly what the community needs. Exactly. It's a great idea. Yeah. The, the, you know, I hope maybe late this year the paid version would go live. It, it really is tied up a little bit in how NAC is developing their e-commerce side of their product. Uh, so I'm probably not going to go live with that until that's part and parcel of it. I don't want to build it, you know, kind of outside their their app and then have to go back and redo it and, yeah. you know, just confuse people in the meantime. Uh, maybe a year after that, so sometime late in 18, uh, I hope to have a bookkeeping, a true bookkeeping piece to add on to this where all of your money transactions are being captured right here in the same app. And uh, maybe sometime down the road after that, an invoicing version. I, I don't have a good vision of how that might work. Having worked on the Corbu version two years ago, I know it's going to be very difficult. It's, uh, you know, I, I ran into people who used the same system I was using, Deltech, Deltech Advantage, or maybe they were using Vision. And this is, I mean, this is everything. I mean, if you're looking for top of the line, you can, that's it. There you go. Right. Uh, unless you have something maybe custom built, which would be, again, hundreds of thousands of dollars. So what I found out is that a, a, an amazing number, I mean, if you found one that was mind-blowing, I found three or four that didn't send invoices with that system. They printed them. They printed them out as Word documents so that they could cut and paste and put them into their format, <laughs> change the font, change the, you know, size of the font. I mean, just, you know, it was mind blowing. I've been using this for 20 years and my attitude was it's an invoice. It's just a painful thing that the two of us have to deal with because I need to get paid for what we're doing. I'm not all that wrapped up in how pretty it is. You know, I'm more about that the building works, you know, and that your experience with that whole thing is, is going top to I'm not, I'm not hanging my hat on how much you love my invoices. And we worked with a few largish companies and, you know, the people I actually dealt with never saw the invoices anyway. You know, the first thing they did is they'll, they'll, they'll send me that, you know, send that to the accountant, the accounting group. You know, they'll they'll take care of that kind of stuff. Right. You know, and you also learn that if that's what's going to happen, you would want to find that out your, on your own. Because if you're sending it to the VP of whatever, who's got this new job of helping develop their new office edition or something, he's, he's going to bury that thing. Not on purpose, but it's going to land on his desk and something else more important, his real job is going to come along. And two weeks later, nobody's ever seen the fact that you've sent an invoice. So, so, anyway. so Rick, is there, is there a place where uh, people, listeners can go to to, uh, to maybe sign up for this uh, free version or learn more about MyCorbu? Yes. If you go to the MyCorbu.com, uh, the main welcome page as you work your way down that, it will show you some uh, screenshots of how it looks and works. Then you get into the pricing thing, which basically says it's free. And, and currently you can reserve a copy. 
And uh, by, well, in about, I guess, just over a week, I'm going to be working my way through the 29 or so people that have signed up and inviting them to sign up. And by the middle of April, 18th, I think, is a Monday or Tuesday, by that day, I will, over that long weekend, change the website. The, the app will be embedded right there. You can sign up right there, and boom, you're off and running. It's, so it's we're, been, we're really close to it, talk. It's been a long road. It's been a very yeah. long road. I, I, uh, I've been following you for most of the, the experience. Uh, I'm on your, your list, and uh, I've been getting all your updates. It's exciting to see it finally sort of uh, blossoming into uh, into a software for you and and for others uh, who are who need this kind of thing. The, yeah. the, the profession doesn't really have that specific answer of how to put together bookkeeping or timesheets or or invoicing, you know, specifically for us small firm architects. So it's exciting to see MyCorbu uh, ready to launch. Uh, yeah. I encourage listeners to go check out mycorbu.com uh, and go sign up for a, a reserved copy and be uh, be on that list for when it does go live to uh, to get a copy of it and try it out and uh, and be part of the community that helps it grow and turn into something that uh, that we all are looking for. So uh, Rick, thanks, thank, go ahead. I was just gonna say that's, that's actually become my motivation more than the money. I mean, at some point I need this to be self-supporting to a point where it's not costing me anything. Uh, getting paid for my time you know, it's probably never going to happen. It'll be fantastic if it does. But I've realized that what we as architects don't know about how to do some of this back office things is just amazing. And we've got the AIA telling us that this is the, the way to go, which is what I did when I joined my mentor back in the, the 70s. And it's just not true. I mean, if you're focusing on the the, the big outfits who are really paying the dues and, and making you an organization like the AIA is, you kind of forget that 80, 90% of your, your other guys aren't like that. Right. So and everybody out there that's practicing architecture needs to know that a true accounting system is gross overkill, that you can do what you need to do for like 10% 10 per, 10 of the effort that you're putting into your accounting. Yeah. Keep it simple. That's, that's the, that's the answer to, especially for small firms, trying to do all the things, have so many hats that we wear. Um, you know, if, if in order to stop doing it the wrong way, the best way to do it is the simple way. So we can, we can figure out how to do it the right way. Uh, so it's great that you're out there putting together a, a, a an app that we can use to, to make it simple. So uh, I applaud you for that. And I thank you for sharing your knowledge here today, uh, talking about your journey with my Corbu. Uh, I appreciate you, uh, coming here and, and, and sharing that story. Well, it's been, it, it's, I really enjoyed it. And I'm glad for the, uh, the good word that you'll be spreading about it. And, you know, maybe I will get uh, to the point where I, at least it's paying for itself. <laughs> yeah, that'll be great. So the blog is Architect Wiki. So it's Architect with a K. So it's A-R-C-H-I-T-E-K wiki.com. Uh, the software, go check it out at mycorboo.com. Uh, you're on Twitter. I see you all the time on Twitter at Architect Wiki and uh, and Facebook as well, Architect Wiki. So um, 
Rick, I have one question for you, and and uh, and I keep doing this to guests. I keep forgetting to to give you a heads up on this, but but I'm sure you'll have an answer for this. I want to ask you a question that I've been asking most of my guests here at the at the podcast. Uh, what is one thing that a small firm architect can do today to build a better business for tomorrow? So something simple, something that they can they can bite into right away and see see some quick results. I would say my my uh, answer to that is that you've probably got a website. You may not have a blog. And if you don't, you really need to do that. And whatever you think a blog is like, in, in fact, Architect Wiki is not an example of the kind of blog I'm thinking about. You need to just put your stuff out there, the stuff you've got on the boards, the stuff that's in production, the stuff that's being constructed. You need to put pictures of that stuff out there and you need to figure out, and I describe how to do this on Architect Wiki, you need to figure out how to send that to your list of potential prospects. Just land it in their lap twice a month, say, and make it entertaining enough either visually or with humor or some sort of knowledge that they can make use of so that they will actually look at it. I mean, the, the, the cost to do that is next to nothing compared to the potential feedback and benefit that you'll get. And to have that uh, archive building up over time of all the stuff that you've done is just priceless. I mean, honestly, the, the experience, my, my experience is that nobody goes to an architect's website until they've got a project, they've already got a project and they're wondering if this firm can handle it. Or maybe they've been on a short list or something. They're just checking them out. I mean, we could look at uh, Google Analytics and, and tell that, you know, the month that we were being considered for something, our, our views on the website would, would jump from, you know, 10 to 50. Yeah, <laughs> next, right. next month, it's back to 10. And for every month after that, we weren't being considered for something. It was just amazing. That's the only reason anybody goes there. One of the reasons I started Architect Wiki was to try and fight that and have something worthwhile to keep coming back like to. Some current up-to-date content on a regular basis. That's a great. That's a great suggestion. Um, that's not one that anybody's asked or answered before. Uh, so I appreciate you uh, sharing that. I think I think um, creating a blog uh, and getting your work out there and 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 distributing it I think is a really important part of it. To just well, just to just write the blog is a great first step, but to put together an email list that you can get that information into people who are interested about what you're doing. Uh, and we're architects. We're interesting people. We do interesting things. Yeah. Our, our society loves what we do and and uh, and how we do it. So putting it out there uh, is a great is a great solution. Rick, thank you very very much for hanging out with me here today and for sharing your knowledge on Entree Architect Podcast. Really glad to have done it. If you liked what we shared today, complete show notes and a direct link to download this episode will be found at EntreeArchitect.com/episode one hundred sixty four. Hey, and share a link with someone that you think will benefit from the knowledge that we shared today. And don't forget to visit the website to gain access to our digital course, Profit for Small Firm Architects, and learn how to build a powerful profit plan that will work for your small firm. Visit EntreeArchitect.com slash free course. Hundreds of architects have downloaded this course. It's a great place to start building a better business. 
and it's free. EntreeArchitect.com slash free course. My name is Mark Arlapage and I am an entrepreneur architect and I encourage you to go build a better business so you can be a better architect. Love, learn, and share what you know. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. mentioned it to my family but in terms of telling people like oh yeah we're doing this i'm looking for projects you got anything yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me dreaming of launching your own architecture firm well, well buckle up for a wild ride with emerging the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm where do we begin we don't even know what type of business to formalize as is it an llc is it an llp like how are taxes i mean the list is astronomical <laughs> Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that <laughs> then you know in your head you've rooted like oh I'm connected to these people like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome, and I think it's it's so real. To this day, I, I I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like, us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh my One that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. Calling all small firm architects. It's time to tap into your full potential with Entree Architects Context and Clarity, where inspiration meets innovation. Hey, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my two favorite co-hosts, Jeff Eccles and Katie Kangas, as they bring together authors, experts, and thought leaders for electric conversations with entrepreneur architects around the globe. It's not just a podcast. It's a community where dreams meet action. There is a simple equation there. And what for me, what that did, just doing that basic calculation was it allowed me to compare what I had actually saved in my retirement accounts to what I thought a possible projected annual spend might be. Artists are temperamental, so beautiful design is going to be a priority. When the job is done, we're going to actually need to live in the house, not live with the person who designed it. 
And so for me, the, the artistic skill, the architectural skill is most important. And so I would say like, that would be 60% of it, if not more. Gain insights to build a successful practice. Subscribe, engage, and let's redefine your future together. Join the Context and Clarity community, where every conversation adds to your blueprint for success.